And I want to invite you to open your own copy of the Word of God again to 1 Peter. This morning I'm going to read starting in verse 6 again and reading down through verse 12. 1 Peter chapter 1 beginning in verse 6. This is the Word of God. I'm convinced it's the Word of God for this day. Would you hear it gladly? In this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials, so that the proof of your faith, being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, but believe in him, you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, obtaining as the outcome of your faith the salvation of your souls. And... To this salvation, the prophets who prophesied of the grace that would come to you made careful searches and inquiries, seeking to know what person or time the Spirit of Christ within them was indicated, indicating as he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories to follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, But you, in these things which have now been announced to you through those who preach the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. May God bless the reading of his word. When you become a Christian... You are born again to a living hope. Your future is secure because you have an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and will not fade away. Guaranteed by the life and death and resurrection of Jesus. Your reward is eternal in the heavens. You are saved by grace. So, get saved and you'll never again have another problem, right? Right? Well, not exactly. In fact... When you get saved, you may have some problems that you did not even have before because you begin to arouse the fiery darts of Satan and you experience the persecution that can come. Coming to know Christ guarantees an eternal inheritance. It guarantees a usefulness here 
but it offers you the chance to find hope in the midst of difficulty. I remind you that Peter wrote to these Asian Christians, scattered pilgrims who were encountering various kinds of difficulty, persecution, coming upon them for none other than the fact that they claimed Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. They were at war with their culture. When you think about some of the things they knew and said, well, the Bible talks about when you greet, greet one another with a holy kiss. We sometimes kind of poke fun at that. But in that pagan world, there were those who looked at that and said, you know, these folks are committing incest. When the Christians met to worship in the name of Jesus, they followed what Jesus told them to do. He talked to them about something we call today Holy Communion. And they talk about eating the flesh and drinking the blood of Jesus. And the pagan world, not understanding that, said these Christians must be cannibals. It cost them to be a believer. Now, should that be any less real to us? Most of the time, when we talk about our difficulties in this life, we're talking about things like COVID, and it has been a guilty thing for us, a tough thing for us in this day, has it not? But unbelievers can get COVID as well. We may talk about cancer and the ravages of cancer, but anybody can get cancer as well. These are great difficulties for us. But what about the difficulties that may come upon us just because we are a believer in Jesus Christ? Scott McKnight has a wonderful commentary on 1 Peter. It is in the Life Application Commentary. And Scott McKnight has these words. He says, Our lack of suffering is in part due to our lack of nerve or to the, on the part of the church to challenge our contemporary world with the message of the cross and to live according to the testimony of Jesus with uncompromising rigor. We, too, are at war with our culture. And more and more, whether you like it or not, our culture understands us less and less. Our culture does not understand what our Lord meant when our Lord looked at those disciples and to Thomas and said in John chapter 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. Do you hear what he's saying there? There is no other way to God 
than our Lord Jesus Christ. He is the only way, Scripture knows, He is the only way to find one's peace with God and one's eternal hope in God. The only way. The only way. It can go on and on. One of my favorite writers is Jim Dennison. Jim, I don't know if you know or not, writes a column in the major newspapers of our state every day. Jim Dennison grew up in a home, an unchurched home in Houston, Texas. No confidence in the future. And a godly man from a local Baptist church knocked on their apartment door and invited Jim and his brother to ride a bus. And Jim and his brother rode a bus to Sunday school and church, and they met Jesus. The church was just down the road from Houston Baptist University. Jim graduated from high school and went to Houston Baptist University, and God called him to ministry. He went to Southwestern Seminary. Jim Dennison has a Ph.D. in philosophy. He is among the smartest of our generation. I want you to hear what he wrote on August 20th. I'm old enough to remember when Disney and family were synonymous. Walt Disney said our greatest national resource is the minds of our children. He also noted the most important thing is family. If you can keep the family together, and that's the backbone of our whole business, catering to families, that's what we hope to do. And then he says, I wonder what he would think about the announcement of the Disney Channel that its animated series, The Owl House, will feature a bisexual teenager in a lead role. The character will explore her sexuality while dabbling in witchcraft as well. The series creator identifies as bisexual and says she was intrigued by the idea of creating queer kids in the story. And then he says, Another mainstay of family entertainment over the decades has been Sesame Street. Since it first aired in November 1969, the show has helped millions of children, mine included, and mine, learn about themselves and their world. Over the years, the show has championed racial diversity in its characters and incorporated cast members with special needs as well. Now the show has featured a male actor wearing a dress. Its companion show, Muppets Now, included the star of a cross-dressing competition among its celebrity guests. Now let me say by side, parents, if you care about your children, you can no longer assume that anything from Disney or Sesame Street is what they ought to see. Think about it.
Then he says, It seems I could write on sexual morality issues every day of every week. Today, let's consider this distressing but pervasive issue from a different angle. According to Gallup, 4.5% of Americans are LGBTQ. However, adults wrongly estimate that 23.6% of us are gay or lesbian. This discrepancy is due in large part to the outsized percentage of LGBTQ characters on television and in movies. Glad. And LGBTQ, I can hardly say that. An LGBTQ advocacy group reports that 10.2% of regular characters on on primetime scripted program last year were LGBTQ. In other words, there were twice as many LGBTQ characters on TV as is true of the general public. The organization is pushing for a 20% representation four times their population by 2025. Why? Why? And that is going to make you, if you're a biblical Christian, that is, if you believe the scripture, it is going to make you more and more not at home in your culture. With all this going on, with where we are today, Remember that you have been born anew unto a living hope. You are not called to live in deceptiveness, but hope. And this scripture before us today offers us a realistic understanding. What is it we must hear today if we're to live with joy and purpose in our kind of world. Well, one thing you want to do is realize the nature of trouble and trial. Hear what the Word of God says in verse 6. In this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials. They do come, and they are going to come. And you and I, with hope in God, must live through them with joy. They last, Peter tells us, only for a little while. I dare say it doesn't seem that way. If you've been through a round of chemo, it did not seem like a little while. If you give a vigorous defense of the gospel among many of our culture today. It may not seem like a little while, but against the backdrop of all eternity, anything that happens now is just a little while. It's only for a relatively short time. Now, these trials... Uh, They're various. Uh, 
Ladies, you know what that word for various there, it's a word from which we get polka dot, or as my mother-in-law used to say, pokey dot. Various colors, various kinds, various trials, they come. And Peter frankly admits that the trials that come our way are, are disturbing, distressing, they're not easy. And it's not easy to stand against your culture, nor is it easy to face the trials and difficulties of life. And that's why it's important for the church to be the church. We're the bride of Christ. We are a hospital for those who are hurting. We're a place to offer encouragement. We're a place to teach the word of God in truth. And we're a place to help people discover the power of the Holy Spirit so that they may live in this place and outside this place, in the midst of an often pagan world with the hope that only Jesus can give. It is ours. And they were to realize the value or purpose in the trials and trouble that may come our way. I hope you remember, you discover by now, I'm a Romans 8.28 kind of guy. For we know... We know that God is at work in everything for good to those who love Him. He is at work in our lives right now. And He continues to grow us, not hate us. He uses the events of our life to help us be what God wants us to be. There's nothing in your life that God cannot use to make you more of what he wants you to be. When I was in seminary, two of our professors did a series of 20 volumes. It was called The Greatest, 20 Centuries of Great Preaching. Now, none of my sermons were in there. But in that book, they took the greatest preachers in 20 centuries and gave a short biography of each of them and then some of their representative sermons. And I read through that. And I can't tell you the number of what was determined to be the greatest preachers were those who had been through very significant, deep struggles in their life. And God had worked through them through that. And out of that crucible of life, they became who they were. Peter says there, did you catch it? So that the proof of your faith, in verse 7 being more precious than gold, which is imperishable, which is perishable even though tested by fire. Uh, fire is used to heat gold, and as it becomes liquid, the impurities rise to the top and they're, they're pulled away. And Peter is suggesting that that the trials and difficulties of my life and your life, of what might be distressing you this very day, of what somebody might have said at school this week or on the job this week, God is using that very thing to make you like his gold. 
and it results in the praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. A good question for you and me to learn to ask, what's God going to do with this? How's God going to use this? And look for the positive side of that and not the pain. Now you'll want to realize your purpose. Verse 8, I want you to see it carefully. And though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, but believe in him, you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. Do you remember when Jesus showed the nail prints to Thomas? Thomas said he wouldn't believe till he saw those nail prints, felt them. And Jesus looked at him and said, all right, here they are. But blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. He's talking about us. He's talking about us. And Peter, writing to these Asian Christians in the crucible of difficulty of life, said, you've never seen Jesus in the flesh, but though you've never seen him, you, you love him. You love him. Do you love Jesus? I tell you one thing, if you begin to walk with him, if you begin to to go with him, you'll fall more deeply in love with him than you've ever felt before. It is a wonderful thing to love Jesus. That old hymn says, My Jesus, I love thee, I know thou art mine. For thee all the follies of sin I resign. I love him. So he says, though you've not seen him, you, you, you love him. And though you do not see him now, you, you believe in him. You trust him. Do you trust him? That's what it means. For God is at work in everything for good. How many of the events of our life and the difficulties of our life do we have to back away and say, God, I can't see what you're doing right now, but I trust you. I I love you. I I trust you. And, And Peter says, when that begins to happen, you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible. There's no human reason for it. It's the gift of God. And you, full of glory. Now, now it goes on. We, we have a privilege that others have not enjoyed. Peter looks back at, at, at the prophets. How would you like to have been one of the Old Testament prophets? Now, now before you answer that, you go back and read Hebrews chapter 11, the faith chapter. It wasn't easy. It wasn't easy. They were faithful, some having been sawn in two, persecuted, stoned. What were the prophets doing? Well, one thing they were doing, Peter says, is they were straining, they were looking, they were talking, they were reading what each other wrote, trying to see the time and the season, the man that God was certainly going to see. 
But, but what they saw was that the time was not yet, and theirs was to get, get ready for the time when Jesus would come in, in, into the world. If you've not read that lately, you need to see it again and again. Look at verse 10. And to this salvation, the prophets who prophesied of the grace that would come to you made careful searches and inquiries, seeking to know at what time the Spirit of Christ within them was indicated as he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories to follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you. Aren't you glad that we get to live this side of the cross? Aren't you glad that that what Isaiah saw when he gave us the 53rd chapter of Isaiah, we get to see looking back and, and knowing it's true? Aren't you glad that those prophets were loyal to God, getting ready for the time when Jesus would come? And now, now we get to live on this side of that. It is our glorious privilege. We can live in hope. In hope. And then may I say we, we want to realize the value of preaching. Don't get confused about what we're at. Our worship, when we sing together, we're worshiping together, offered to God. But if you're a student of the Reformation, you'll know that the proclamation of the word of God is something that is a distinct part of worship. When the word of God is open and the spirit of God is present, there's something that happens. So with the latter part of verse 12, it's been announced to you through those who preach the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven things which angels long to look. But you and I get to see. Now a little aside. When you're praying for that search committee, you pray for God to send one who's committed to this book as the word of God and who understands that this word of God brought in the power and strength of the Holy Spirit shapes and revolutionizes life and it enables people to go on. Does it work? When I was in seminary, I went to chapel one day and David fight speaking. Some of you will remember years ago we were praying for David Fight and his father-in-law. They were in prison in Cuba. Dr. Fight that they described they took him out of his cell, they brought him for interrogation that lasted for hours. And they sent him back to his cell. As I recall, these words were, if you had answered better, we would not be putting you to death 
tomorrow. And he went back to that cell. You know what he did the rest of the day? There had been scriptures written on the cell wall that he could see if the light shone through just a little. In Morris Code, he had tapped on the wall and discovered that, that the guy in the cell next to him was a Frenchman. Now, you think God has a sense of humor? As they communicated, they discovered that the Frenchman couldn't understand English and he couldn't understand French. He taught that Frenchman Greek in Spanish. Because it's what they had. And Dr. Fight talked about going to sleep that night in joy, expecting to give his life to, for Christ the next day. Does it work? Well, when I was pastor in Glena Park, there was a woman named. Rains. She never came to church because she couldn't. She had a son who was about 20 at the time. He had never spoken a word. He had never been out of that bed unless somebody carried him out. They told me I needed to go see them. I was a ripe old age of 29. I didn't want to go. What do you say? What do you say? And I went to see Marie Maines and her son, Rains and her son. And do you know what I found? Joy like I had never found it before. She told me he could talk with his eyebrows, and he would do this, and, and she would tell me what he's saying. And I prayed for them, and then she prayed for me. And I've never been as blessed leaving somewhere as I was that day. Friends, what I'm saying to you is that when you're saved, you're born again to a living hope. It's a joy indescribable, undestroyable, that makes all the difference in the world now. And it certainly makes all the difference in the world to come. If for no other reason than that, we ought to love Jesus more than we love anyone or anything, and we ought to live for him no matter what it costs, and we ought to be faithful to that in our world day by day. Amen, Amen. and hallelujah. Let's pray. Our Father, thank you for your word.
May it be for us this day a living, living hope and a joy inexpressible so that we'll not walla, we'll not hesitate, but we belong to him. And we'll look forward to eternity. But in the meanwhile, we'll walk by faith. Have your way during this time. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. The moment we're going to stand and we're going to sing together. It's a time of offering. It's time to offer yourself to him. If you've, if you've never had the joy in your life of saying, Jesus, I know you died on the cross for me. And I know you want to save me. And I know you want to give me a living hope. And Jesus, your gift, I want to take right now. Tell him. And then if you're comfortable at all, make your way out here to the front and say, James, today, I'm trusting Jesus. If you need a church home, be a part of this one. If you're a member of this church, as we sing, sing to him. Claim that joy. Claim that joy. Make this a time of continuing worship. Okay? Let's stand together. Let's all sing. I'll meet you here at the front.
claim your heritage you know him you're born again to a living hope let's live that way let's live that way and the unique thing about that is there's an attractive to that attraction to that that the world 